0: I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most
1: fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. for for prohibitive by law. 18+. Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald. It's Friday, September 17th, and my guest today are co-authors Michelle Smith and Michelle Gamble-Risley, and they are the authors of a book called Smash, but we have just been hearing before we started the recording about a bunch of other really exciting things that they are doing, so let me let them um, tell you the story of how they got together and why they wrote this book and what's coming next.
2: Well, I'll I'll jump in. Um, Michelle and I actually met a couple of years ago at a mutual friend's um, birthday party, and I had read her first book, Second Bloom, and then I ended up uh, quitting my six-figure corporate job and launching M Communications. We started partnering up on projects, and um, we've hit it off ever since. And one thing we noticed with our marketing company is that A lot of the women entrepreneurs and small business owners were making the same marketing and PR mistakes over and over again. And also, we didn't want to see another book out there. It's another dry, boring, 101 ways to redo what you're already doing with your marketing book. So um, we wrote SMASH to educate in a very humorous way um, by telling marketing disaster stories and educating people what not to do.
1: Okay, so I would assume that probably the biggest disaster is actually thinking that marketing and PR uh, don't matter and that you kind of have to wait until money is flowing to actually start funding those things.
0: Um, The best quote that I like that's on our website comes out of the mouth of Bill Gates, who says, if I had my last dollar, I would spend it on PR. And I I have to say, I totally... uh, um, agree with that and we do see a lot of people who show up um, but what's even worse than not thinking that they need to spend money is not spending enough money and trashing their image which is really what Smash um, shows you examples of a lot of mistakes and obviously with the intent to teach you how not to make those mistakes Um, but you know we've had a lot of people who will tell us that they blushed when they realized they had done some of the faux pas and they were ready to change their errant ways, so um, I just think that an even bigger mistake is thinking that you can do it on a shoestring and being offended when um, you tell me that you spent fourteen ninety nine on a website template and it's a landing page and I look at you like you're crazy.
1: <laughs> well, I will tell you that I have uh, long been a fan of PR and uh, have started to... Ventures, one that uh, had a very, very high-profile name and, and perhaps didn't need the marketing spending. Uh, it was LasVegas.com. Uh but I can tell you we did put the money into doing the PR side of it right. And you know, just by having having the URL that we were able to acquire for that company, um, you know, we we didn't have to do the same kind of traditional marketing spend. In fact, we sat back and watched what happened when Vegas.com spent their money. Uh, or the Las Vegas Visitor and Convention Bureau spent their you know fifty to seventy five million dollars, and and it all accrued back to us because people couldn't remember their URL. But uh, but PR has always been important to me. So Michelle Smith, I, I would be really interested to hear some of your stories. And you just talked about underspending on PR. What what do you think companies need to factor in as they're taking? Is is it a percentage of of revenues or or what is the the guideline that they can use in coming up with, with their plan on the PR side?
2: Well I think every company is every company is different and you have to look at the overall marketing budget on a case by case basis. Because if you're looking at a Fortune five hundred company in one industry and a small business owner in another, I mean you have some very different variables there. The beauty of PR is that unlike advertising, as you know, it's not a one time shot. It's an it's an right. ongoing campaign where you know, every every media outlet is targeted that's relevant from, um, you know, from whatever niche it is, the correct, like, television, the correct radio, the correct magazines. And also important when it comes to PR, when you're looking at hiring a publicist, I always tell people, you know what, ask what what niche the firm specializes in. Because, number one, if you if you hire someone who specializes in healthcare and you're in the building industry, chances are they're not, they're not going to have an, the same contacts. Right. Um, another thing is too, as I tell my clients, that although you cannot guarantee PR coverage, uh, always ask for a track record. Most publicists or pub- publicity companies will provide uh, status sheets, like weekly or monthly, that show who was targeted, what their response was, and so on. So, as for an overall that dollar amount it it really it really varies like company to company but what we do tell our clients too is that you know you can't expect results if you're going to engage in PR for one month i mean it has to be right. an it's an ongoing thing i have clients that you know i've pitched you know Ebony magazine 6 months ago now they're finally getting a spread like several months later so Sure. Yeah, you know, it just you have to be patient, and you have to be consistent, and you have to hire the right person who is going to draft a release that's not going to say new book out or new <laughs> lip gloss. It has to be very strategic, and most importantly, newsworthy.
1: Well, so let's let's back up because I mean, clearly at the at the beginning, and whether you're a large company or you you are an entrepreneur or someone launching, you know, a new book. Um, everything starts with the plan, and you know, as as I take a look at your book, um, you really do start where where it's really important, and and that is talk about uh, what is necessary to get that plan off the ground.
0: The the planning process, I think, is often very overlooked, and oh, I, it's 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 interesting. You know, um, I think some companies you have like a dual thing. One is they either won't do a plan at all, and they'll just sit down with their representative and just think, okay, you know, what are you going to do for me? Um, One of the biggest misnomers that's out there, and Michelle touched on it a little tiny bit, is there's a lot of students of the thought that PR agencies can guarantee coverage. And I'm here to tell you that any PR agency that tells you that they promise XYZ and they guarantee it is lying to you. And it's not possible. Unless they own the media, it's not possible. So that's, that's one thing. But then when you sit down and you start doing that whole plan and really looking at not just your tactics, which would be who are you going to go after in what manner and what, what way, shape, and form, but the strategy and putting that together with the correct tactics, with the correct objectives, and, you know, systematically unrolling that and the really trying to get some clients to understand just also what Michelle said is this is not an instant gratification business. Yes, there might be a little bit of of gratifications on some of the dailies and the the news outlets that like radio shows that air on a daily basis or a weekly basis. Yes, you might get some of that, but even when we got profiled in the August issue of Success Magazine, I mean, that was like a four-month cycle before we actually saw the results, and then, of course, we enjoyed the benefits. Um, But I would say that probably the biggest obstacle we see is that there's a total lack of planning, and then there's a total um, upset when they're not getting what they expected, and really that plan is designed to, to manage your client's expectations
1: as well. Well, and and the other thing that you talk about in in the introduction is kind of what I'm assuming is being able to call a spade a spade spade of you you talk about the good, the bad, and the brutally ugly. So (laughs) are these just the stories of of what's gone horribly wrong, or or is this a guide to help me figure out whether I really do have something worthy of promoting and marketing?
2: Well, I think... think, think, uh, I think hard. it's both, actually. I think it's you know you have the stories are to help educate. You know, here's what this one person did with their business, and it's brutally wrong, and here's and here's why. So it's meant to educate in a very entertaining way.
1: As mm-hmm. So give us an example of the brutally ugly.
2: Talk okay, I'll give now. you I'll, I'll give you a PR one for you. Um, <laughs> I had this one um, this one client who ended up not working with because uh, she decided after her careful research that she would um, she decided to hire her webmaster to do her PR for her. Granted, her <laughs> webmaster has zero background in PR, uh, zero media list, zero contacts. Um, not really any writing skills to do a press release, but I'd have have to This
1: is like hiring
2: your dentist to take out your appendix? Thank you. That's exactly it. So I'd have to say that's one of my favorite brutally uglies.
0: That's pretty brutal, too. That just shows... You know, and I bet you that that webmaster probably actually pitched that woman that they could do it, knowing absolutely nothing about PR other than, you know, I'm going to fanny about with a poorly written press release. And let's just say for one moment that part of the Brutally Uglies campaign is a press release that, A, isn't formatted correctly, B, is riddled in typos and spelling errors. And C is actually not using what's called the inverted pyramid, but is just sitting around rambling on and on with no coherent thought or messaging um, that would basically entice an editor to pick it up. I'll tell you what they do. The first thing they do is see the typo in the headline and they dump it in the garbage. So that's not really the result you're looking for. And that's something that your webmaster will probably produce because most webmasters I've met, hmm.
1: so so what's an example of just the the bad situation that that perhaps can be reversed
2: well I'd have to say you know you have someone who you know they paid someone to professionally design their website that's good but they thought you know what I don't really want to pay someone to to write the content And then this person ends up with, you know, some misspellings on the site. It's not professionally written, so the keywords aren't in there. Um, That's bad, but that's fixable.
0: That's that's a very good point, Michelle. I I see that a lot, is that while most of the bad think, well, I don't know how to code, and they recognize that they don't know how to code or they don't even want to attempt how to code their site or do flash or whatnot – that they do think, well, I passed my high school English class, therefore I can write my own content. They don't know how the content should be written. They don't know, you know, how it should be formatted. They don't know how to write a boiler. They don't even know what the word messaging means. And so when you go onto their site, it's kind of um, awkwardly written. It doesn't make the points that it needs to do. Um, and people walk away completely confused about who you are and what is your brand. And then to tag onto that, brand is so important as well. And since they don't understand brand, they won't have a cohesive brand. So their website will look one way, and their business cards will look another, and their brochure will look another, and there's no identifiable um, cohesion there that tells me this is X company. I'm just... Totally lost as to who you are and what is your identity.
1: Now, before you get to brands, uh, you, you talk about creating your marketing plan and, and also uh, creating a vision. And I and I love your subtitle here: create a vision, not to be confused with a h- hallucination. <laughs> so, so, tell us some of the stories here about about what you've seen. You know, when people are trying to create what their business vision is, and again, then trying to get everything to line up behind that. Well, I think the easiest, the, the best case scenario for us is when we have
2: someone that will come to us and say they haven't done anything on their own yet or they don't have the problem where, you know, everything is in, you know, the brochure doesn't match, the website doesn't match, everything's a mess. When they say, hey, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I'm thinking of. And then we can actually sit down with the client like, and really drill into who they want to target. The you know, marketing plan falls in after that, but you look at and – we, and we think big, obviously, if you've heard what we're up to. Right. You know, but we really sit down with someone and say, hey, let's – let's. these are the tactical steps that are going to make your vision a reality, and we have someone, you know, again, the best case scenario is we have someone who comes to us and say, hey, I want to start this business, you know, what do I need to do, and we just plug in – we plug in all the pieces for them, we put in all the goals, we put in all the strategies, and, and then at the very end of that, we suggest, you know, the different – marketing techniques that are going to help their company become a viable success. And, you know, advertising is for some companies, and a lot of companies, you know, it's not, and the direct mail is not either. So I'd have to say, is, you know, from the get-go, if we meet with people in the very beginning. It's, you know, that's, that's the easiest case scenario.
0: Well, I want to interject that um, most people uh, don't even have not asked themselves the question regarding a vision. That's a little bit of a sophisticated question you just threw out.
1: <laughs> right.
0: They pay vision. You mean what? What? When I grow up, what vision? <laughs> right. And so, um, I, you know, I think that if I were to sit in front of a client who is in the category of the bad or the brutally bad, well, the brutally bad tends not to listen anyway, so it's kind of a wasted
2: <laughs> <Right>. conversation. <laughs>
0: But the good and the bad are usually the category that they'll open their ears and and shut their mouths, as our manager likes to say. I expect you to open your ears and shut your mouth, and we love her. She's awesome. Um, And, um, you know, I don't even know, depending on um, how they're coming in the door, what, what condition their company is in, that I would even put it to them as a vision quite yet because I think it might scare them a little bit. Like, I can't possibly think of that. But what we do is try to kind of help guide them toward the idea and concept of that idea of what, what do you want this company ultimately to be in the first year maybe and take okay. baby steps toward that, not just, okay, I want to be a Fortune 500 company in five years. That's, that's so far out there and so unimaginable that um, I think it scares people. So we, we try to break it down into – kind of digestible chunks to kind of move them slowly in the right direction.
1: Now, you do have one subchapter here called, A Good Goal Doesn't Involve a Goalie. Can you tell me the story behind that?
0: <laughs> I don't specifically remember what we said in the chapter, but the joke is just that, you know, just because you have a goal doesn't mean that your goal, you're going to reach it, and you're going to get the score or the win, so... Um you know there's I think that segues very nicely to what I just said. There's a lot of baby steps involved to getting to your goal, and it's all incremental and it's not one quick shot.
1: So let's talk about brand because uh that that's was the lead in uh to me tar- talking about getting your vision uh set. Um, I think you have a lot of clever stories in here about different brands, and and the the title of the chapter is, That's Your Brand? Are You Serious? So so tell me a little bit about what you've seen in in the branding arena.
2: I've seen a lot of disasters, and I have to say uh, the, the most common thing is that you don't know what the brand is, because the logo, I mean, the logo reflects something that can be a lawn mowing company. It could be for a dog. I mean, you don't, you, you don't know. It's all very confusing. And also, again, nothing, nothing has a flow to it. The website doesn't match the brochure, or the brochure doesn't match the logo. They have different other companies. They're trying to put under the under different umbrellas, and the websites don't match whatsoever. And that has to be the big, biggest disaster that I see. It's just like a complete lack of. Lack of brand,
1: just scattered. Well,
0: I think that um, what you're saying there, Michelle, too, is that, uh, if, like, let's just look at the logo itself. First of all, what I think is very actually amusing is those companies or those businesses that want to try and throw everything but the kitchen sink at their logo. They totally lose sight of simplicity and communication. It's like, I wanted to say lawnmower, but sharp blades and we mow grass fast and uh, we also turn your sprinklers on and, hey, we'll even throw in this too, you know, and they just want all this in their logo. And what often the result is if they don't have strategic guidance from someone like Michelle or I or another marketing firm is they'll get this completely whacked out logo that, you know, my joke in the book is what is that? And if somebody says to you what is that thing,
1: you're in trouble, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. You know, so it's, it's that's, interesting because you know, a few years ago, I, um, I I had been operating under another brand uh, in my consulting firm and uh, ended up splitting up with my partner. And and um, at five o'clock in the morning, I couldn't sleep, and I, I was thinking, you know, what what is it that we do? And you know, we solve problems. So I I, you know, I, I looked to see if Solutions was available, and of course had to end up doing it with a Z on the end. Um, but, you know, it's something that we've wrestled with because we've used it in a number of different uh, applications of, you know, uh, the name of a radio show and the name of a consulting company. So uh, I, I was very interested in, in your perspectives here because, you know, we, we don't want people to say, oh, you know, what is that? What, what is it that you do? Um, so you you also indicate that uh, you know you you need to focus on the looks of of how everything hangs together, and you need to get things right in the tagline uh, of, of letting people know if your name isn't as descriptive as it might be um, that you're letting them know in the tagline so talk to me just a little bit about the tactics there uh, in delivering the brand. Well, I think one thing that we
2: really focus on too, and if you if you look at you know, some of the work we've done on our websites, it's, we're very strategic about differentiating our clients from their competition. I think that is absolutely huge. And so it's not just a, a look and feel. But one thing we look at, as we look at what other companies do, we recently designed a monster, you know, monster of a website, and the client wanted to be, so I wanted to be positioned like a Tiffany's or. You know, she mentioned a couple other high-end jewelers, and so we we do a lot of research. We go out there, we look at different websites, we look at different logos, and so um, one of our strategies is not only de- delivering a high-quality visual product, but differentiating it as well, so it's memorable, and people will you know come back and visit your website versus you know Tiffany's. Right.
0: Well, all I all of the MCOM websites and the three L websites. Um, are, have a very signature look and feel. We, we like a certain way, uh, we approach it with clean, clean, elegant, sophisticated, and even like companies that are in the trades, for example, contractors, we still take a very specific approach to how that is going to look. We try to appeal to that audience, but we also don't try to appeal to the lowest common denominator. We go in with the thought that everybody has a certain level of of expectation when they're on a website. We want this to look completely professional from head to toe. And what I find with clients that really get that is that they'll let us just take the reins. But one of the missed key points, and you brought this up in regards to taglines, you know, and we say this in the book, we have a lot of clients who think they have to have, like, the cleverest gee whiz tagline on the face of the earth when something as simple as we sell cars works. Right. And, you know, making it all cutesy wootsy—that's that's nice. But if it doesn't really say what it is, and it doesn't speak to the uh, you know the, your audience, your market, then you know if, I, if if it's some play on words that I really don't understand, whether I read it forward, backwards, or upside down, then you've lost the audience. So we really right. try to emphasize, you know, if you can come up with something that is kind of fun, and, you know, our tagline on 3L is where right needs light, and that means that we give words the light of day. They're published. They're on paper.
1: Right. Um,
0: And and it works, and people get it, and I've had people write me notes saying, I love that tagline, and um, that works. It's fine. But if it's, you know, if you're, again, not that I've ever done a lawn mowing company, but if you're a lawn mowing company and your tagline is, I hate getting the mower out of the garage, (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: you know then it's just it's just wasting everybody's time but I think one of the things that I notice is a lot of companies don't even think about messaging at all they don't sit down and write down all the key descriptions that are going to define and describe that company that because your messaging is where the rubber meets the road and that's why writing own content on, you know without consulting anybody is also a big mistake
1: Now, I know you guys don't specialize in personal branding, but we do have a number of our members who are in between successes, and and we uh, have uh, definitely one who's on the call today and one who's on the call whose husband uh is in between successes. What do you think about uh taglines and branding for individuals and and you know probably the best place where this happens is on LinkedIn or or if they do happen to have uh you know a personal website or do they take do they actually design a business card to take to interviews? Do, do you guys mind commenting on that? I think so uh, uh, oh, I think again it's
2: it's I think it's important. It's basically I would look at you know what the individual wants to do and what wants to offer. Um, same thing. Keep the message very simple and you know, differentiate from your competition, because a lot of you know individual business owners out there they are you know they are promoting themselves and they are their brand. So I think you can take a lot of the same steps.
0: Well, I think Michelle. I mean Michelle and I are actually an example of personal branding applied to a company we have a very when you meet us we wear our colors our company colors uh we have red black and white we're always in those in fact it's to the point where if we wear anything outside of that color we get chastised (laughs) Um, (laughs) we you know we've created what i call personality branding We have our newsletters, which I'm not sure if you've read it or not, that are a humorous reflection of our books where you get to know us as people to decide if you want to work with us or not. I am totally no-holds-bar on presenting the real me to the world because I don't want anyone to work with me who doesn't, A, like what I'm about and vice versa, so then you know if I were to leave 3L, which is never ever ever going to happen, but let's just say I was going to do that. If I'm going to go back into my own business community, I'm easily recognizable. People know what I'm about, and I could I could get a, another corporate job in a snap. I have no doubt that they would scoop me right up. So that you can personally brand by putting your voice out there too. When you're on LinkedIn, one thing that's really important, and this is a good segue to social media as well. Keep in mind that you're talking to a mass audience. So if you're in one of the, like, writer's groups or chat rooms and you're having a dialogue back and forth, you know, please remember to mind your manners because that's how you're going to make yourself memorable in a good or a bad way.
1: (laughs) Right.
2: Right. I definitely agree with social media too. It's another great way to like Facebook, personally brand yourself. We keep our we keep our posts, you know, business related since we do have, you know, colleagues as well as as well as family on ours, but we we show our personality too and that's and that's always consistent and People, they look to see what the Michelles are doing today and whether it's a, you know, it's a road trip or we're speaking in front of the American Marketing Association. It, everything, including our newsletters, always has our quirky little, little tone. We keep it professional, but we do let our personality show through, too.
1: Okay. Well, we have talked a lot about social media, um, you know, amongst ourselves uh, on various uh, Executive Girlfriends Group calls. And, I mean, the Executive Girlfriends Group site, which uh, we sent you invitations to earlier, has a place for for a tagline and for uh, people to connect uh, to you. But, uh, you know, I've been amazed as I went through the roster of the Executive Girlfriends Group. We've got about 550 executive women uh, nationwide um, a high concentration in the travel industry, just because that 's my background, um, but we also have you know a number in the technology arena and media companies and and um, telecommunications um, but it's it's amazing to me how many people still haven't established the basics and um, Rebecca and I just started in a new contract, I think you guys heard uh, earlier with a uh, a major association, and one of the very first things that I did when we were bidding for the business is I looked at the people who were invited to the bidding meeting and you know and sent out invitations to connect to them on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, but again, as I've looked through our own membership, uh, I bet we have two-thirds who who don't even have a profile on LinkedIn. And, you know, I don't even think of that as social media anymore, um, you know, simply because it's just uh, foundational to communicating in this day and age. It isn't, uh, you know, doesn't have the same kind of minutia that tends to happen on on Facebook and and Twitter, Um, you know, even though those are changing as well. And I, I think... Um, you know, what companies have done in beginning to use those channels. Um, and, and, you know, like the early days of the web, uh, a lot of companies didn't get it right. So can you share some of your, your ugly stories about social media and, and how you've seen that misused in a corporate environment? Oh, yes. Uh, Go ahead, Michelle.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, my, my fa- I have two favorites. One, I don't care about your coffee intake. <laughs> um, I don't want to see it. I don't want to read it. If you've called in sick that day and you're bragging about what you're doing um, at the uh, Yankee Stadium, that's a stupid use because your fellow employees are on there. But beyond that, my biggest number one thing, and this actually segues to uh, etiquette as well. My my number one thing is I have seen people who are representing their companies acting like belligerent you know, jerks. Publicly, right? Who so will engage under you know under the umbrella of their company <laughs> will engage in political uh, discussions when it's a non political forum. Will uh, you know t- talk about how they broke up with their boyfriend and girlfriend online right in front of their their associate, associates,
2: right. um,
0: just misusing it. It's it's supposed to be a media that enables us to share our accomplishments so that you know that. We've done XYZ, which also tells you I have that experience in XYZ. It's supposed to be professional, and while it's fun and funny to engage in in a fun little conversation here and there, and I'm not opposed to that because I certainly will post post little fun things once in a while uh, myself, But when people start getting belligerent and arguing and basically uh, putting a war on Facebook, that's not what it's for, and it's especially not what it's for when you are representing your company, because nobody is going to, A, take you seriously, B, you've just trashed your company's image, and that, in some cases, has been ground for firing.
2: Yes, I know a bunch of HR professionals that actually, they will look at people on Facebook, they're looking at hiring. Um, I know E Women International does that. They look at people and see what they're what they're all about. And then I have to share my favorite disaster because it's actually um, is someone I know well, and she's on my newsletter list, so she knows I've written about this. But she actually, you know, posted uh, her Vegas party pictures on on Facebook, and I'm thinking, okay, you're very well known in the
1: community, or are you kidding right now? <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's, uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting when, when you've got a platform like Facebook that actually started as a way to connect with friends and family and has morphed into a business platform or trying to morph. And, and again, I don't think they've done a good job of allowing you to, to segregate who sees what post. Uh, in in a way that's easy and memorable because I, I do remember seeing something about that, but I, I haven't invested the time and energy uh, to figure that out. And and I do have uh, you know a couple of different personas on um, on Twitter and you know use them uh, you know for various reasons. But you know I, I think the interesting thing again is taking a look at what happened uh, you know. Twenty well, fifteen years ago, when the web first became a medium for communicating and, and seeing people take brochures and and you know content that wasn't intended uh, really for consumers and, and putting it there, and then you know it's taken fifteen years for that to get to a place where everyone's finally figuring out how to use websites to communicate, and now they're making some of the same bumbling mistakes as as they go online. Um, Just to uh, kind of round out our discussion, I know we talked a little bit about PR at the beginning. How about if we talk just a little bit about uh, networking and and lead generation? Because, you know, again, I think a lot of people have thought that social media was going to do that for them. um, But I'm not sure that it has really yielded the kind of networking responses that people have wanted.
0: Now, I think that um, the networking is – the foundation to grow your social media. It's a place to start for so many other opportunities. And I can tell you we have grown our business by leaps and bounds by doing proper networking. And without without eWomen, which is our primary organization that we network out of, we would not be where we are today. But we go out minimally four times a month. We buy a table display. Our table display has replaced our advertising budget and we, you know, we sell our books and, and our products right off the table, but we're not really there to do that. We're there to make great connections and to get clients. and we do break even analysis on whether or not we should continue with certain networking groups. So we're not arbitrary about it. But uh, we live and die by networking. And if you're not out there networking or you're not willing to network, I'm going to tell you right now, your company will not survive, not in this recession, not ever.
2: And to jump on what you said, Michelle, too, and what we do really well is we're, very, we're consistent. We found the group that works for us, and we don't expect immediate return on investment. It's, when you network, it's really about building relationships and really getting to know someone, and the business will follow. I see a lot of people out there who will sign up for a luncheon and go, okay, well, I didn't receive any business cards today. I'm, no, I'm done with this group. It's, I think it's just finding the proper niche for your business, Showing up in a big way and then and really taking time to build relationships.
1: Yeah, you know I know it's interesting because in in the industry that I've served the bulk of my adult life, which is the travel industry, um, there really wasn't a lot of opportunity for local networking uh, because the companies that I was serving uh, were everywhere else but in Tampa, Florida, and so it was a long time before I started even trying to do local networking. You know, thinking about how I could uh, parlay my consulting expertise in into working with lo, local businesses but one of the things that i found and i know rebecca attended a few of these events with me locally is you know we found that most of the the networking events that were happening here locally were all people trying to sell to, to one another and there was no one buying um, you know, there was nobody really out looking for services uh, so much as to try to find uh, somebody to, you know, sell MonaVie or, you know, whatever whatever they were into that week or whether it was insurance or real estate.
0: You've just touched on what's really important about the networking experience is what Michelle said is finding that group that's right for you. and. One thing about e-women is that they provide a platform to network on. It's not about selling stuff to each other. It's about mm-hmm. making those connections and it's about showing up. And they actually forbid shoving business cards at each other. It's really mm-hmm. about relationship building. That's what the foundation of that group is created for. They do what's called accelerated networking to give you your one-minute, you know, commercial to say what it is you do, what it is you right. want and need. And... and What they say is that when you show up, you have, you know, your 100 people behind you that you're connected to, so when you say, this is what I'm looking for, maybe you just need a babysitter for Friday night. They can reach into their arsenal of, of prospects and hand you that information, and so it's really about getting out there and finding the group that isn't going to be a chamber mixer where they're going to shove cards at you because that doesn't work, so... Um, you you know, even if you have to build your own kind of a networking group where you invite your gal pals and all you're going to do is talk about, you know, travel or something like that, but you're going to have a fun discussion, it's just a chance to meet people who right. have their connections that can help you as well.
1: Right. Well, I mean, that's the very foundation of the Executive Girlfriends group. I mean, that's what this this call is all about and... and uh we have local groups that do get together, uh, you know, within the Executive Girlfriends group. And I did speak at an eWomen Network uh, meeting a couple of months ago over in Orlando, and, and I remember what you're talking about of people people sharing uh, in, in that kind of mini-minute. So uh, it's a great, great format. Um, just to wrap things up, because <clears throat> I want to be mindful of your time um, the the book ends on a uh, a high note of of um, the chapter is now you 're cooking with gas and and you end up sharing your secret sauce uh, on on what that uh, business big Mac is so tell us a little bit about you know if you have to distill everything down and again whether you 're a, a large company that has a, a substantial marketing budget or, or you're you're a smaller company just starting out um what, what is the secret sauce, and, and is it expandable, you know, based on your budget? I,
2: I think so. I think that the main, the main things
1: are, you know, following
2: up on your leads. I see so many business owners out there that <clears throat> that they just, they'll go to events and they don't follow up. It's like you have business sitting, you know, on your desk, and you're not following up. That's like a simple thing you can do, big budget um, or not. Um, always answering the phone. I'm not saying answer right. the phone at eight o'clock at night on a Friday. Um, we have strict rules about that. <laughs> but you know what? Answer your phone. Just always. There's simple little things that you can do that just generate business. And you know, right now it's it's still a little, it's tough out there. And by doing simple things and following a marketing plan, and at the same time knowing that your marketing plan is flexible, something's not working for you change it and don't be afraid to execute it.
0: I think that's um, and tactically the secret sauce that we use every single day is um, we have our tools. We have our passive marketing tools in place combined with our active marketing, which is the networking. So we have a website. We update the website. We didn't talk about that today, but do not post a website and leave it to hang in the breeze. We have our blog, which is our SEO engine, really, because it put our company names on page 1 of Google. So you need to have something that can do that. So we have our blog. Our blog also keeps our message out there and again shows off our personalities. We also have our newsletters. Yes, we put our newsletters out weekly every Sunday morning reliably to the point where if we didn't we would get letters saying what happened, are you okay? Um, <laughs> you
1: uh-huh.
0: know, and we do. You know, we do blog talk radio once a week. And I have to be honest with blog talk radio. I initially thought we'll be lucky if we have twenty listeners. We started off with probably about fifty listeners, and now we're up to about five hundred people listen to it per week. Um, so we have these very strong foundational, practical things that we do, and then we network four times a month with table displays, and we go to six major trade shows a year. Those activities have helped us basically transform our business as to what I told you earlier and the networking also is what got our script sold because that what the woman... Yeah, why did don't you tell us
1: that story again because that was actually before we started the recording. So, so tell us what's next. You, you wrote this book. Actually, you've got a couple of books that, that uh, you've both co-authored and individually authored. And what's next? Um,
0: well, what's next is we have a movie coming out in for Christmas 2011. It's called C.A.S., which stands for the California Association of Specialty Services. It's about bad trade show behavior, um, all based on true stories. Of course, we anteed it up. We had several authors. Uh, excuse me. We had several off- offers on this script. It's an A-list script. It's a franchise. They are purchasing CS1, CS2, and CS3. It has merchandising involved. Truly blow your hair back. Random House is bidding on the book version of CS. And uh, we've had an offer to do a television show. We have Maria Shriver or Hillary Clinton, depends on whose schedule is open, coming to honor us at a gala event in the Bedford Gallery. Um, It's exploded. It's exploded. Uh, By the end of this year, we will be a multimillion-dollar company.
1: Oh, that is terrific well, well done, and congratulations. I know how hard it is just even to get published and uh, you know to have the kind of success that you guys have had is is just uh, truly a testament to the hard work and determination, and uh, I know probably a lot of very, very long nights so uh, Looking forward to reading your book and uh, digging in. And for those um, who didn't hear the introduction, the book is called Smash. Uh, The authors are Michelle Smith and Michelle gamble Riz. With Lucky Lands Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere.